if you're listening to this and, and you've ever been hurt, uh, you've ever been offended, you've ever been discouraged by the church or by a person uh, that was a representation of the kingdom of God, I'm sorry. Yeah. I really, really am because that's not the Jesus that I know personally. Mm-hmm. And if I could just ask you to uh, give him a shot because I think what you'll find is uh, somebody who loves you just the way you are, unconditionally, with no strings attached, no rules, no regulations, not how much Bible you've read or didn't read, how much somebody's used it to, to abuse you or to offend you. He just loves you, and he wants a relationship with you. And as I've said it once, I've said it a hundred times, God will do whatever he can and whatever it takes to have a real relationship with you. And so if you are listening and that's you, I, I just I hope you hear me when I say uh, I'm sorry on behalf of the church, on behalf of heaven. Uh, but God does love you that much, and he wants a relationship with you. And if we can help you with that in any way or just be a friend to you, uh, that is without question our heart and will always be. So mm. uh, for what it's worth, I hope that Amen. helps and encourages. All right, guys, well, welcome back uh, to the Functional Life Podcast, where we get to discuss all the uh, elements that make up a happy, healthy, functional life. We are going to jump right back into a follow-up from an uh, earlier episode. This is part B of a two-part series, I guess you would call it, with uh, Pastor Aaron Snow, a good friend. Uh, He is the pastor of both Jason and I, uh, another fellow fitness enthusiast here at our our headquarters here at Synergy. avid uh maybe lamenting broncos fan uh, and lakers fan we just keep piling it on honestly but also braves fan and that's going very well also bulldog and also bulldog fan yeah i don't know i think he's been adopted into that i'm jury's out on that one for me uh jason i think the uh i think tennessee might be the hardest game you all have this year actually right now it's very scary yeah Uh, i mean i think you're gonna beat us bad but i'm and that's not a slide on your schedule but oregon should have been harder turns out it wasn't yeah but your schedule's sort of a joke. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, Tennessee's got uh, LSU, Alabama, and Georgia, and then Kentucky. That's a tough four games. We get to play Auburn this week. Yeah. 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 Poor yeah. you, poor guys. I yeah. feel poor terrible Auburn. for you, poor Auburn. I, love, I appreciate the center's enthusiasm, though, to come out and think that he, you know, that they could inspire his whole team and the whole Auburn nation to yeah. come out and punch Georgia in the mouth. I think they should be playing a little aggravated now that they're number two again. Well, they needed to be number two, if yeah. not three or four. Yeah, um, for sure. Kent State's. <laughs> let's just be honest. That's where Nick Saban went now. Yeah. Powerhouse. They're oh, not okay. bad, but um, we're not as good as people thought we were. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah. It's yeah. all right. Different show for a different day. Yeah. Well, speaking about a different day, this is the same day here, but maybe for some of you all, this is going to be a different day you're listening. We are going to uh, jump back into something a little bit more uh, focused, a little bit more specific. We uh, had a great discussion with Aaron, get to know his background, where he led us through uh, his story, what got him from. Uh, from the streets to the pulpit, I guess you would say. Um, and now we're going to uh, dive in a little bit deeper. We got the opportunity to put it out there to uh, to our listeners and our friends out there in the community. To, what questions would you have for a pastor? Could be Bible questions, could be Jesus questions, could not be. Could be general questions. If you had could ask anything anonymously, which is the fun thing. Yeah. And actually something I never got to do at church growing right. up. Like I... I one of my recent churches did that a little bit, but I still, they would put a thing up on the screen. You could text a question to this thing, but they had them up on the screen so quick. It almost seemed like they were pre-selected. Yeah, so yeah. I don't know. Yeah. But, but, yeah, shocker. Cause mine never got picked and I asked some good ones. <laughs> that, was a, uh, that was a system. So we got weird some, how the hard ones weren't really. Yeah, yeah. never. Yeah. Ever. And they were very, always worded, no spelling was errors. Mary a you, virgin. Right. You had 30 <laughs> seconds to top a question. They were all perfectly punctuated and everything. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, come on. Yeah. Uh, anyways, uh, we've got some good ones here, and uh, the story for you all that if you didn't get part A, please go back and listen to that. It, it got Aaron here. We talked a lot about experience. We talked a lot about poor experiences in church growing up with our families, with uh, with uh, trying to navigate really where we found uh, bread and water when we were hungry and thirsty, yeah. and that's what, what this this came for us. It wasn't just to remind people that no one here said they they became a, quote, Christian or came to Jesus to get to heaven. I don't yeah. even honestly think about heaven on a daily basis. I, yeah. Maybe yeah. that's a, a sign of immature faith in, on my part. I don't know. Um, none of us did it because we uh, reasoned our way to it because we, we got all the, the, the arguments in front of us. Like, okay, yeah, this, this is real. This makes sense. No, it, it was, it's relational. It was an experience. Yeah. 
And I think maybe a good place to start, we got, I've got two or three questions that are worded in different ways, but I would say, correct me, uh, Jason, if, if you're wrong, if I'm wrong here, that the hardest perception of those that we talk to that are outside of faith is this idea of hypocrites. In the church, we talked about poor people. Aaron getting left the church, tested it just to see if anybody would reach out. All these guys that said they loved him and they were there for him, and like, okay, I'm going to leave. And how many of them reached out to you? Zero. Yeah, zero. How about that? So I I struggle with this, Aaron, because it it bothers me because I know this is the the hot button issue for most people. So I, I just see so many hypocrites, and I I don't even know how to define that word. I mean, I can I know the Google definition of what the word is, but sometimes I wonder if our are people using that as a cop out? Because um, once you're on, I guess the inside. This sounds so prideful to say that. I really don't even want to say that. But but once you are walking down this journey, you realize that you are going to keep messing up. Mm-hmm. So sometimes when I hear, oh, there's so many hypocrites. What I hear is what we as Christians call sinners. Yeah. That we think we all are. Yeah. We we just because we follow Jesus doesn't mean sin is removed from our life. Right. Just means that we have found a someone that loves us through that sin, mm-hmm. and we can repent for it. So I, I hear that sometimes, and I'm like, hey, it, do you just mean that someone is, is telling you to do something and then they don't do that? Right. Because that's also me. I tell people not to eat candy, but I still eat it. Right. Doesn't mean I don't believe it's true that they shouldn't eat candy and that I shouldn't eat candy. Right. It's just that sometimes I want some candy. Right. You know. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then. The other side of it is there. there's another level to it that, that we all grew up in, in our generation, unfortunately, where there was a, in my opinion, a massive public incidence of hypocrisy um, in the 90s and continued on, and in, in specifically in the Catholic Church, I think it's okay that we say that, where you got a, a public displays of leaders in this church being being put out there as, as, as deep-rooted sexual inappropriate sin mm. a lot of times with children i think we all we don't need to pontificate on that we yeah. all remember that yeah. right. and well, the christian church had that too it just yeah. looked like adultery correct not yeah. uh, pedophilia necessarily right. but they both are heinous all yeah. the time and maybe it didn't make uh, an international news right. and as widespread as that was but i mean we could i, I don't want to go too far on this because I, I i i want the listeners to understand that the way i see christian histories i see a history of human flawed human beings that keep screwing something up yeah. that's supposed to be beautiful yeah um i mean you could go back to the crusades and find people killing other people and and cry you could go into the old testament and find people killing other people in god's name yeah. there's a lot of hard things to weed through here but if we just want to hone it down on the surface when you hear about hypocrisy and and how is someone that's looking at the church and that's what they see is a bunch of people saying one thing and doing another? Yeah. What do you say to that? Yeah, I mean, you know, I think it's a tough. It's I mean, they see pastors saying one thing and doing another. Yeah. For we sure. went to New York last year, a few years ago, and and yeah. to go see one yeah. that was saying one thing and doing another. Yeah, I think, and I th- I said this in the last episode. I, you know, I think for me, first and foremost, like I don't have all the answers, and and I don't want to pretend like I do. And the truth is, is that I'm just as failed and flawed as anybody. And, and I have to be remind, I have to not only remind myself of that, but be willing to, to recognize that. Mm. And the minute that I um, start operating, like, even, I'll be honest, like even coming here to do this podcast, like I, I just genuinely prayed, Lord, let this be about you, not me. Yeah. Like, I, I don't, I don't need the airtime. I don't need the recognition. I'm thankful that my story might be an encouragement to some people. I'm thankful that maybe uh, the, some of my answers might be encouragement to some people. It might offend some people. I, I, I can't necessarily dictate one way or the other, but what I can do is at least do my very best to not make this about me. Because mm-hmm. if it is, I'm going to mess it up. Mm-hmm. I'm going to make a mess of it. Uh, the same is true in my marriage. If I think I have all the strength and all the power on my own, to avoid potential glancing at another woman or speaking ill of my wife or talking bad to my children or about my children or about my wife to my children, then I'm fooling myself. So if I just start there, mm. then, then I'm naturally going to start and probably spiritually going to start really recognizing where there's, there's opportunity for error. And I think that's, for me, where we all have to just take a, a step back and, and just be willing to look at the mirror and go, man, 
um, what are the areas of my life that I still need to grow? And we kind of talked about at the beginning of the last episode, like what are the areas of my life where they aren't well? Yeah. And how do I ensure that I have some good measures of accountability and I remain humble in those areas to continue to grow and to learn? Now, in the context of hypocrisy, I think I think that's it, it's such a challenging conversation because we live in a world that really only allows for you to have one side of a conversation. Mm-hmm. I think we live in a world where everything is on full display, whether it be through social media or the news outlet or, 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 or whatever it might be. And very rarely do we do this where we sit down and actually just have an open and honest conversation. Yeah. Um, and, and for whatever reason you offer that as an opportunity or an invitation to sit and have a conversation People are reluctant to do it. And so I have a hard time with the conversation around hypocrisy because oftentimes there's no reciprocation of wanting to sit down and actually have a conversation about what you might deem as being hypocritical. hypocritical. And, And I think that's one of our great challenges as humanity is that we're living on one side of a conversation without being willing to sit down and allow for there to be two sides to a conversation in any, in any narrative, in any topic, in any situation, whether it be church, political, social, whatever it might be. Um, and I, I don't know if that answers the question necessarily, but I think it's a great opportunity for us to be willing to pull up a chair yeah. and maybe have better dialogue and conversations to hear somebody's heart, maybe understand why they have that perspective or that opinion, why they operate or, or, or react the way they do or say the things that they say. Well, I get why they have that opinion. I was I was one of the people who helped shape that opinion for a lot of people. Yeah, right. Uh, I grew up in a very strict Southern Baptist world. Um, you know, no drinking, no cussing, no smoking, no, right. don't chew, don't date girls that do. Like, I mean, all these things were, the, it was all about uh, what you would call religiosity. It was a lot of rules-based um, living to the point that, like, early in my high school days, I'm the kid wearing a Christian T-shirt, carrying my Bible yeah. at school. And if you cussed around me, I'd be like, hey, would you mind not cussing around me? Right. Like, <laughs> de- I'm dead serious. I can't this believe This was me. Um, to the point that then when I was just a normal high school and I was smoking cigars and watching a rated R movie, I got kicked out of my youth group because of that. Right. (laughs) And then all of a sudden I did all the opposite of everything I've been doing because, well, hold on. That doesn't hold water. Yeah. The whole, the whole story of the Bible is that if smoking a cigar and watching a rated R movie was bad, well, the whole the whole premise of Jesus is he makes that okay. And I'm welcomed here. Right. Yeah. Not I'm kicked out of things. Yeah. Um, but for the early part of my high school, like I set that narrative yeah. for yeah. a lot of people. And I think, I think that's what's happening is so many people had an experience with somebody who was acting like they had it all together. Right. They had it all figured out and was asking other people to not do certain things yeah. to, to live up to their standards Right. That they had set that were biblical and holy and, 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 I think and more religion, holier than that. That's what religion does. That's right. Yep. Religion is man-made. So okay. if we just want to get something really clear off, you know, out in the open, yep. uh, my stance and, and position is that religion is man-made. Correct. Uh, relationship is is founded on Jesus. Uh, it's, yeah, it's founded through Jesus. And, and you can look throughout Scripture and find Jesus emphasizing and focusing on relationship. Never rules and regulations. Yeah. One of the great stories to me in the Bible is um, about essentially a Roman kingpin. He yeah. was uh, raised a Jew. He was kind of a good Jewish boy, followed all the rules, was kind of preparing himself to become, really prepare, preparing to become a rabbi in that regard. And somewhere along the way, he did something that was so bad, he got rejected and he moved out. And he basically sold himself to the Roman Empire. Wow. So he became the Roman kingpin. And all of a sudden, he hears word of this man who's going around healing people. He's having meals with, you know, absolute, the, the, the least of the least, the least expected, you know, prostitutes and tax collectors and everyone else in between. And so word gets out. This guy's healing people. He's having dinner with just complete bad people. And he's like, man, I want to see this guy. Now, you don't have to go see anybody because you're the kingpin of Rome. Like everyone knows who you are. They're kind of intimidated by you. But yet he gets word that Jesus is going to be on his way to another destination. So he climbs up in this tree. 
in, the, in, in this particular area in time, a sycamore tree wasn't very uh, lush like we have here in Georgia. Like, you go up a tree, like, it's pretty lush. Like, there's plenty of bushes to hide behind. It's very likely you might not be seen. Mm-hmm. Well, he's kind of trying to hide behind a sycamore leaf, which is basically, you know, very hard to do. <laughs> so Jesus is walking along, and he, all of a sudden he stops dead in his tracks. He looks up in the tree, and he goes, hey, Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus is kind of like, I know we're not on camera, but he's kind of like, you talking to me? He says, yeah, Zacchaeus, what, what are you doing up there, man? Come down here. Now, meanwhile, all of his administrators and his administrative assistant and his operations manager and his CEO are like, Jesus, we got an agenda to keep. Like, we got places to go. Like, we got somewhere else we got to go. And, and Jesus is like, no, nah, this is actually right where I'm supposed to be. Yeah. And so it's interesting to me because Zacchaeus has climbed a tree because he's heard of Jesus. He wants to see Jesus. The difference, though, is that Jesus wanted to meet Zacchaeus. Right. Zacchaeus didn't want to meet Jesus. He just wanted to see him. But Jesus wanted to meet Zacchaeus. Mm. And he invites him down. And you know what's so fascinating to me? You know what he does next? He goes, Zacchaeus, I just canceled all my appointments. Let's go to your house and have a party. Yeah. We're going with, we're hanging with you, bro. We're going to you. Now, we don't know what he did the night before. Right. We don't know who he had over. We don't know if it was clean, if it was a mess, if there was just bottles everywhere, if people were just passed out all over the place. We don't know. But Jesus invited himself into Zacchaeus' home. Mm-hmm. That, to me, is a picture of Jesus inviting himself into Zacchaeus' heart. Yeah. As messy and as confused and as frustrated and as sinful as it possibly could be, yeah. Jesus says, hey, man, can we come and hang out at your house? And you know what happens? Zacchaeus gives his life to Jesus that day. Yeah. So it says, the Bible says, salvation has come into your home. And not only does Zacchaeus turn his life around, he then goes the extra mile, and he gives back everything he ever took plus interest. Yeah. That's crazy to me. That's the kind of Jesus we're talking about. That's the one that we've all talked about, we've experienced, we've had an encounter with. There's no rules or regulations. If there was rules or regulations, if religion was involved, Jesus never would have stopped. Right. And he never, ever would have invited himself or taken an invitation from Zacchaeus into his home. Well, and I'm going to use like a a churchy word here, um, but all throughout the Bible, they use this word called Pharisee. Yeah. Um, And that's somebody who is really into learning the the Jewish scriptures, the first five books of what we know as the Bible, yeah. knowing them by heart, every yeah. single one of them, every single one of the rules that's written out there, um, displaying that for other people to see yeah. with their Christian T-shirts. Yeah. And, you know, they did it in these little square boxes they would put on their forehead Jewish that actually had scripture in them, just to let everybody know, right. like I am one of these people who's who's really good at this church stuff right. this yeah. religion stuff yeah and they are the only group of people so number one the, the people who say the hypocrites they're likely talking about pharisees for sure as we as they're described they're the only people jesus like absolutely goes nuts against yeah can't stand them right can't stand them <laughs> and i would just wish that people who've had Knew an that. experience with me and earlier in high school when I was a Pharisee right. or with those other people in their life who've set that tone, who you've experienced as a Pharisee and this, the real Jesus, the one that's actually in the Bible. Right. He didn't like them either. Right. Right. That's where I call it. A, and I didn't mean to, I don't want to be disrespectful to those that, that uh, see hypocrites. I, I called it a, a cop out, but what it really means kind of like Aaron said, it, it's almost like a, one of the darts people just want to throw without right. wanting to have a real conversation about right. it. And that the issue is exactly the way, Aaron, and we've actually brought this up several times over the last few weeks, ironically, is that the issue usually with hypocrisy is that it's revolving around Pharisees who exactly were people trying to create followers of themselves, right? not Jesus. Correct. So, so when we try to create, and the hard part of that is evangelism, because if we have something that we're so passionate about that we, we believe is so true and has been so transformative in our own lives, we should feel compelled to share that, same way I do about health and fitness. Right. And so it, it seems like I'm trying to convince people to follow me, and, and then I will take you to where I, I found. That's actually not what I'm trying to do. So when, when someone, when Christians do that, it's a very scary place. It's right. a, it's, you're setting yourself up for trouble if you're trying to get someone to follow you and right. what you believe. Yeah. That is essentially what you're doing, but you're getting them to follow Jesus. Right. Show me where Jesus said that he was going to do something and didn't do it. Right. I, I've never heard someone that accuses, I've, I've seen plenty of hypocritical Christians, hypocritical pastors, right. all sorts of leaders everywhere. I've never seen someone show me where Jesus did said one thing and then did the opposite. Yeah. yeah. Never. Never. Yeah. 
And so there's no hypocrisy in Jesus. But now I think that can lead us into one of these next questions that we have to get to and address is that I've got several questions from people. They're like, well, we have this thing you, you, we maybe we hear you will and Aaron and Jason that this is a relationship and you're sitting around this man Jesus, but you do believe Jesus is God, mm-hmm. right? Aaron, you do too. Yes, we all believe that there's one God. That's what we're here talking about today. That's our belief. Right. Monotheistic religion. It's Jehovah God, right. and Jesus was God with skin on. Right. You know, God put skin on. Came to earth as Jesus. He's 100% God and man. It's a hard thing to reconcile. Let's not worry about that yet. Let's just <laughs> grant us do. that. But you've got this thing called the Bible. That's God's word, and it's got this Old Testament and this New Testament. And there are some rules in there. Mm-hmm. There are some laws. Mm-hmm. There are some history where you've got these two, what we would call faces, these two, um, th- these two persons of God that seem to sort of be different. Yeah. We can try to explain that away, but the issue and the questions I get so much is, how do we separate having a relationship with God with the interpretation of this thing called the Bible? Yeah. Um. And that it's so difficult because um, the Bible is a book. It does have to be interpreted. Right. What most people don't even understand that I that I've had some experience in is first has to be translated. Right. By the way, this book was written in Hebrew and Greek. Right. And Aramaic. Aramaic. Most, yeah. In some in most cases. For correct. And if you want to go through the history of how it was translated, that's a whole nother study. And we're getting into something called, you know, epistemology and hermeneutics and all yeah, this yeah. all this stuff here. Heard those. That's about it though. Yeah, yeah. But 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 <laughs> right. But but if you'll grant us I mean, we get to the Dead Sea Scrolls and we got these monks translating these, now we've got this book that's now in English for most of us that read English, yeah. but everybody's gonna read this book and and view it a different way. That's right. how we come up with the Catholic Church, the Protestant Church, the Baptists, the Presbyterians, the denominations. Everyone reads it differently. Yeah. And there are laws in there. Yeah. And there is God that, that ordered people to kill people in there. Mm-hmm. And there do seem to be, and, and, and there's this weird story of creation in Genesis yeah. that doesn't, make, doesn't really make a lot of sense lined up with what we know now. And, so, and there's all these, gosh, all these questions. Yeah. It's so hard. How do you, when someone comes, you say, well, how, why do I listen to your interpretation of the scripture yeah. when this guy down here is giving me something different? Right. This a person over here doing something different. Yeah. This person over here is, uh, you know, sleeping with boys and he's got something different. Right. Like, yeah. well, what do you, what yeah. do I believe? How am I supposed to believe it? Man, it's, it's, uh, humans are messy, aren't they? Yeah. I mean, we really are. And, you know, I, here's my, here's my, my, my thoughts. And I've, I'm no Bible scholar. I'm no theologian. I'm just I'm a guy that loves Jesus. I've had yeah. an encounter with him, and I've I've just tried every day to draw closer to him. But in my limited study, uh, what I've come kind of to the conclusion of is, first and foremost, um, the Bible is essentially what we would call uh, the Word of God, right? right? And essentially, it's just a, it's a book of instruction. Right, and I think that's the first thing that's most important. We we look at it sometimes. It's like the most. It's the rule book. No, it's just a book of instruction. And in that book of instruction, what you'll find is that there is a Father in heaven who loves us so much that He will do literally whatever it takes to have a personal relationship with us. In everything from beginning to end that I've discovered, quote me if you want. I don't care. Is that this is God's ultimate plan for humanity is that he would be able to have a living real life-giving relationship with us so that we would fulfill the plan and the purpose that he has for our life Mm. and i believe that it is through the promise of jesus from beginning to end and we could sit here and do a bible study and i could show you that but we don't have time that from the beginning to the end god had a plan that he wanted to send his son into the earth to reconcile to restore and to redeem so that we could have a that relationship with him. I did this crazy thing at th- this past year. I did uh, what they call a 30-day shred, and I listened to the Bible and the whole thing from cover to cover in 30 days. Mm. I listed it on 2.0 speed, so it was like super fast. And I just prayed, God, show me the big trees of your scripture. Yeah. And there's two things that really stood out to me. One, God cares so much about us that he will literally do, and I've already shared it, he'll do anything to have a personal relationship with us. And the second one thing, it really like, it was like, a, it was like, Bink, it hit me right in the eyes, to care for the widow, the fatherless, and the foreigner among us. Mm-hmm. That God cares and loves us so much, he'll do anything in every relationship with us, and that he wants us to care for the widow, the fatherless, and the foreigner among us. And we've talked about that before. Yeah. 
But then Jesus comes along and does something really, really special, really, really beautiful, really, really powerful. Even when the Pharisees try to kind of trap Jesus, he says, I didn't come to abolish the law. Mm-hmm. See, when, when, when God was bringing the, the Israelites out of Egypt, they were 400 years as a slave. Mm-hmm. They didn't know God. They only heard whispers of him, if that at best. And so he used Moses in a radical way to give them some sort of structure to operate within. So that's what we call the Mosaic Law. So that's what oftentimes people misinterpret is they go, oh, there's this biblical law. No, no, it was a Mosaic Law that God gave to Moses to use to help the Israelites understand and learn how to operate in some sort of system and structure away from slavery that would lead them into a fulfillment of a promise. Okay. Then Jesus comes onto the scene later down the road, and he says, I didn't come to abolish that. I came to fulfill it. Right. I am the fulfillment of that law. He evolved it. He really? evolved the law. And here's what he says. He says, so you could summarize the entirety yep. of the law by, by just some simple things. Love the Lord your God with <laughs> yep. all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and then love your neighbor as you what? Love yourself. Yep. And we've talked about this. If we are to love the Lord our God with all our heart, which is what he wants from us, I said that at the beginning, then we have to then first look at the mirror and ask ourselves, do we love him as much as he loves us, that he's willing to do whatever it takes to have a relationship with us? Because then out of the overflow of that love that we have for ourselves, we will then be able to love our neighbor. But if we look in the mirror and we don't like ourselves, or we question ourselves, or we doubt ourselves, or we're angry with ourselves, or we're disappointed with ourselves, or whatever it might be, then the overflow of that love that we have for self is going to be anger, disappointment, failure, whatever it is. Yeah. And so I think the beautiful thing about this idea of how do you make sense of it? I can't. Right. But I know this. God loves me so much. He'll do whatever it takes to have a relationship with me. He wants me to care for the widow, the fatherless, and the orphans among us, the foreigners among us. And he sent his son Jesus to not abolish the law, but to fulfill it so he could have a personal relationship with me. And he paid the ultimate price so that I could have that. Yeah. And he, asked, he re- invites me into a loving relationship where I can learn to fall in love with myself the way that he designed and created me to be. So then as a result, I could then go on loving people out of that love. Yeah. I love that you brought that answer because that's that's exactly what I was hoping you were going to point out because it's the thing that comes to my mind so often when I have conversations with people and they start pointing out all these intricacies. Mm. Yes, we have, it, it's almost like in the health and fitness uh, analogy that I could give it here. It's if someone's been on the couch, they're severely overweight, they're sick, they've never exercised in their life, they eat junk all day. And they come to me and their first question or issue with my gym is, do I need to be using a, a supinated or pronated grip on deadlifts? <laughs> and you're like, man, let's just maybe start, go for a walk first and drink some water. Let's, let's, let's do a couple yes. of things. So, so when I, I think the same way about these issues in scripture, because if we just start with that, like I get that there's this Genesis thing we have to deal with. Was it a metaphor, an allegorical story? Right. Is it literal? I get that there's Sodom and Gomorrah and God killed a bunch of people and there's Jericho and there's all these things that happened. And, but let's just start with what Jesus said first. Let's look at the Bible as grant me one thing. Grant me that the Old Testament, let's just treat the Old Testament as a history lesson, as a story that gets us to Jesus. Right. And then let's take Jesus and just take him in that one verse. What's he say? He says, it all, hey guys, the whole story boils down to two things. If you want to know my desire for you is that you love God, you love me with all your heart yeah. and that you love each other as you love yourselves. Yeah. And then I start there and I'm like, well, what sounds so bad about that? Right. <laughs> is so that not something everybody can get behind? Okay. Can you get behind that? Yeah, maybe you don't believe Jesus is God yet. Right. But let's say if he's attracted to you and you love him, right. and then you want to treat other people that same love right. that is you love yourself, which right. we all know how much we love ourselves. Mm-hmm. Let's start there. And then let's go out from that place, and we'll store it. If, if God brings us along this journey to evolve our understanding of all these other parts, right. that's fine. Mm-hmm. Interpretation is a – it's not another cop-out. It's another dart because everything – if you read Plato, it has to be translated and interpreted. Right. Right, right. Every book we read, everything in fitness or business or health, everything has to be interpreted. Correct. That's fine. Right. But, you know, and some things are going to be more difficult to interpret. If I read some of the books Elon Musk has read, I'm going to have to have a whole host of people help me interpret yeah, that. Right. Yeah. But you know what's not that hard to interpret? Love me with all your heart and then love other, everybody else like you love yourself. Right. That's not that hard for most people to interpret. No, no. Now, there's other parts of Scripture that, sure, 
They are. They're vastly deep and theological. Sure. And I've always rest assured that if I get those, and I, I've got my beliefs on a lot of those things, and I could sit down and have those conversations if people want to, but I honestly don't care. Yeah. Because if I'm wrong about 99% of those, mm-hmm. and I get to heaven, and God says, you know, Genesis, you're way off about all the people I ordered killed. You're way off about, you're off about all this, but you know, you got that you love Jesus and, and, and that you loved other people pretty well. I mean, well, cool, man. Yeah. Have fine with me. I'll see you later. I'm gonna go in here and worship now. Yeah. Like, like, I don't think it matters. I'm not saying it doesn't matter. I don't think it's crucial to the life Jesus has called us to. No. And I think, uh, I think in that end, you know, the Bible says that when we get to that point, he's going to meet us and he's going to say, well done, good and faithful. Servant. servant, yeah. And so we go back to the last last episode, and we talked about our gifts in our life. Essentially, is what that means. Our gifts are our life, and are we using our life to serve one another? And and the way that we do that in in the in a manner which Jesus calls us to is through Christ like love, right? And it's sacrificial love. It means that I I may want to get my way here, but Christ has called me to lay down my way so that we could get and arrive at the destination in which Christ is intended for us to get to. And that is his ultimate love for you. Yep. I may think the way in which you've gone about your life is wrong. The decisions you've made are wrong. And you could say the same thing about mine. Yep. But ultimately, it still helped us to arrive at this destination of experiencing and having an encounter with the love of God. Yep. Well, to me, so all of this starts with need. So if you're talking about fitness, if someone doesn't recognize their need for fitness, yeah, there's no way you're anyone can convince them of that, right? Yeah, right. But if they recognize they have a need for fitness, whatever has happened in their life that's opened their eyes that they have a need for fitness, well, then there's an opportunity to show a way, right? Yeah. Um, all you need is need, right? Yeah. It's the same thing in in Christianity. If if you haven't gotten to a place where you need mm-hmm. a heavenly Father, an eternal being, a uh, a Savior, um, if you don't have that need, it's hard to rationalize any of this. Right. Impossible, right? But if you get to a place, that's what happened in our stories, and and actually anyone who actually is a yeah. believer of Jesus, right. they've had that point where they realized. Whatever system of this world that I was relying on yeah. doesn't work yeah. when the when the crap hits the fan. Yeah. Yeah. My work success isn't going to help me when all of a sudden I get fired. Right. Now who am I? Right. If my identity is wrapped up and I have a great marriage, and what happens when that hits the rocks? Right. Who am I? Right. Yeah. You know, when, when these external forces that we, that we use that make us feel good, yeah. as long as those are working, right. it's, it's a really hard thing to, yeah. Yeah. air quote, sell Christianity or any other philosophy. Yeah. Yeah. I did it for years. I you tried don't it. need anything. Yeah. You're yeah. self-sufficient. Life's being pretty good to you. And so <laughs> if you don't have need right. in fitness or, or um, Christianity or whatever, yeah. It's not going to make a lot of sense. You have to get to that point of need. Yeah, um, yeah. I think that uh, I think that ultimately, what it keeps you know, keeps coming back around to is that at some point you are going to recognize that the things of this world are going to f- become empty. They let you down. They let you down. They're going to fail you. And so, if we're living our whole life for the external, right? External joy, external happiness, stuff, house, cars. That, that that's the word envy there's that, that's there that is a biblical word envy but envy actually can also be used positively mm-hmm. because what you'll find is that is that when we talk about the particularly the beatitudes and the word blessed it is actually uh translated to mean happy or envied because there's an internal joy there's an internal happiness that is so attractive to people that they're living in this outward life going man this is just not working it's failing me I, I i i pretend to be happy but i'm really not but yet those guys are like man they're living the they're having the time of their life this is the greatest experience of their life because there's an internal joy and happiness that that is taking root and is beginning to grow. And you know, the only reason that happens is because we keep committing ourselves to following Jesus. 
I'm not following you. I'm not following you. I'm getting advice from you. I'm getting advice from you. I'm being sharpened by you. But ultimately, when it's all said and done, my commitment is to following Jesus. And the closer I get to him, the more that light, that joy, that happiness begins to manifest itself. And all of a sudden, people are looking at, the, uh, at, at and around our life, and they're going, the peripheral, and they're like, man, what's, what's different about them? Yeah. And they become attracted to that. They, they become envious of that in a healthy way because then they're coming to you go, man, what's different about you? You're like, man, I, I've had this encounter with Jesus. And so people all the time will say, well, I just don't know enough about the Bible. I don't know that much about the Bible. Yeah. But I met Jesus. Yeah. There's so many stories in Scripture where Jesus is called to the carpet, and they're like, man, you are blind, but how can you now see? He goes, I have no idea. Yeah. But I met this man. I was blind, and now I can see. Guys who are literally living on mats, and all of a sudden Jesus says, your sins are forgiven, you're healed, now pick up and carry your mat. And the dude's skipping out, holding his mat, and people are like, yo, yeah. what happened? Yeah. I have no idea, but I met this man named Jesus. He forgave me, which just completely changed my life and oh by the way i can walk <laughs> so talk to me about that you know like you've got the people on one end and in, in this area yeah north fulton yeah. south forsyth you have a lot of people who are self-sufficient and don't necessarily have a lot of need right there's this other end of the spectrum of people who don't feel like they are good enough to come to church or to to seek faith because they've really screwed up. Right. They know it. Right. For whatever it is in their life or they feel like against like the the perceived biblical rules, mm-hmm. you know, um, that they've screwed up and yeah. they don't feel like they qualify. Yeah. Well, I think the first and foremost, the, the thing that's most important is church isn't, quali- isn't quali- quantified by an hour and a half or hour and 15 minute service. That's not the church. That's a gathering of the saints mm. to fellowship and worship and celebrate and encourage one another. The church is actually how we live our life Monday through Saturday. And the truth is, is that regardless of what camp you might be in or what zip code you're in, uh, there's, a, there's a need in every single one of those. Whether it's living in Fulton County or North Fulton County where we have this kind of like healthy box syndrome life where everything on the outside looks good, but inside everything's just kind of crumbling apart. Or you can see the fact that there's a need in certain parts of the city where there's naturally just the external elements of their life are challenging, right? They're going through hardships. It's evident. The reality is, is that those, that's exactly where the church is meant to go and to be the church, where we're meant to go and to be an encouragement, where we're meant to go and live our life. You see, when the, when the early church started, it started when Jesus called the disciples to go and wait for the gift of the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit fell, it didn't call, fall to make people weird. We've made the Holy Spirit weird. Let's just be honest. Yeah. Jesus never intended for it to be weird. We made the Holy Spirit weird. Jesus sent the Holy Spirit to be our helper, to be an encourager, to be an advocate for us. And when the Holy Spirit fell, it gave them the opportunity to start speaking in languages that were relatable to the hearer. Now, these were all people that questioned and doubted everything that was ever happening. And now all of a sudden they're hearing the good news spoken in a language that was relatable to them. And as a result, 3,000 people gave their life to Jesus that day. And those 3,000 people didn't just set up camp and go, okay, great, now let's just live life together and sing Kumbaya. No. They went back to their hometowns. And you know what they did? They go, you know what just happened? We were hanging out. We're having this great festival. All of a sudden, like, this, this thing happened, and all this, these guys who spoke a different language, it'd be like me trying to just talk to you right now in Spanish, and you look at me going, no hablo espanol, bro. But if Will did speak Spanish, he'd be like, oh, that perfect sense. I want to give my life to Jesus, right? And they went back to their hometowns, and they started telling people about this encounter. And every person they told, whether they lived in North Fulton or South Fulton, as an example, heard the good news spoken in a language that was relatable to them, and it, the Bible says that it has the power to penetrate even the hardest hearts. Yeah. There was Pharisees in that audience. Their hearts were penetrated, and their response was, what must we do? Repent, ask for forgiveness, re- receive, be baptized, and receive the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And what do they do? 3,000 people did. Mm. That's the church. The church is a church that goes and serves people. The church is a church that goes and loves people where they are. And I think when we talk about different arenas or different experiences or different areas of the city, 
at the end of the day, we're all called to go to those places and spaces and to serve people and love people where they are till they finally come to this place and go, man, there's something different about you. I am literally going. It's happening right now all across our community. We're on the outside. Everything looks like it's together. But man, marriages are falling apart. Businesses are crack, are, crack, are crapping out. Kids are turning away from their parents and, and getting addicted to all kinds of substances. You name it, it's happening. And so we might pretend like we don't have a need and we're just going to show up on Sunday and portray like everything is all good. Or we can go into the inner city and we can see that they clearly have a need and we can go, well, we should be there serving. Yeah, sure, we should. But some of us are called to that and some of us are called to here. Yeah. So let's use whatever gifts we have to meet people where they are and just make ourselves available. I, I just recently, we just recently went through the series, Be Present. And I think uh, this is the great challenge for the church right now is that the world is calling us to be louder or quieter on certain social issues and political issues and all kinds of things. And I don't think we have to be louder or quieter. I think uh, what God really wants us to do is be present. But if, that, that was exactly a question that we got. So that, that, that's a great, I mean, we, I got that. What is the church's role in modern culture? Mm-hmm. And they brought up that. We've got Roe v. Wade. We've got gay marriage. We've got Black Lives Matter. We've got lots of things out there that people are so divided and hostile over. Yeah. Where... What do you see the modern church's role in that? Yeah, our, our responsibility is to be present. I think that's what God wants us to do. What does that look like? Well, for, so here's the thing. <laughs> the church for so long has been really busy building the church. Yeah. And this is an indictment on any church. So please, if you're a pastor and you listen to this, I'm not indicting anybody. This is just what I feel like the Lord has spoken to me about specifically. What Jesus made very clear is he said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. He says, what I would like you to do is I'd like for you to go. And he didn't even say like, he commands us as followers of Jesus. What, I, what, I, what I've commanded you to do, which is really what I've instructed you to do, is to go and make disciples. Yeah. Baptizing them in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey my commandments. Now, here's the thing. Teaching doesn't mean classes in session, right? Let's get the, let's get the Bible out and start going through all the rules. Yeah. Teaching is actually living yep. a life that would honor and glorify the Lord. So it's really not me actually doing a whole lot of instructing. It's actually me doing a whole lot of living. Yeah. And so the question has to be asked, would people look at my life and go, man, he really loves people unconditionally. Yeah. He makes time for people that wouldn't normally be made time for. Yeah. That, that's what Jesus has called us to do. Now, here's what Jesus says he'll do. He says, I'll build my church, and he says, I will grow. So in other words, he's saying, you don't have to save people. As a matter of fact, you're not even here to judge people. I'm not here to condemn people. I'm just here to love people. And I'm here to provide them grace and truth. Yeah. Or the Bible also says truth and love. And I think the way that we reach truth and we reach love is through grace. And I think there's a lot of times where we're operating with all love and no truth. Yeah. And there's a lot of people that are running around with a bunch of truth and no love. Yeah. We have to have both. But the way that we get to both is through grace. And the way that we get through grace is through a relationship with Jesus. And when we as the church start to recognize that our opportunity is to be present. Like I just have no idea. I, I have no, like somebody goes, somebody says to me the time the other day, like, you know what you should do? You should do a series on this. Cool. Well, why don't you do a little study on it and let's talk about it. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, no, you should teach it. I, I don't really think that. That's, that's necessary, but if you, if you think it's important, let's do a little Bible study on it. Let's talk about it. Yeah. If I stay true to the Word of God, it will cover every issue. Yeah. If, I, if I preach Jesus, if I teach people about Jesus. The person of Jesus. The person of Jesus, how he loved people, how he showed up for people. The beautiful thing is the Holy Spirit that we talked about will come alongside that teaching, and he will start doing the convicting. He will start doing the softening of hearts. He will start helping people to see areas of their life where maybe they're not in alignment with the will of God. That's not for me to point out. Now, if somebody asks me my advice, they go, hey, Aaron, you know, listen, I'm thinking about going and doing this. I'm probably going to go, hey, Will, probably not a good idea. But we have relationship equity. Well, that's the way that I I love and I wish people would answer that is I never hear pastors or Christians say the words, I don't know enough. That's the, how about that? Yeah. What, what do you think about this? How about, I just don't know, but hey, I do know this. Let's start with Jesus. Yeah. And if we start there, the, this man lived, right. whether you believe in him or not, it's a historical fact. 
Right. I mean, I love the quotes there. He was either a liar, a lunatic, or Lord. You have to figure out what to do with him. Right. Every every historical guy, he was a real no right. job. They never found his body. Right. Still hadn't. Now right. you you make up your stories about him. Like, did the did the disciples hide him? Did he? Well, I don't know. Okay, but they didn't find. So, so something's gone on there. Yeah. Do you? Is this? Let's start with him. Yeah. And figure him out. Yeah. And then if you want to have a conversation, one of the one of my favorite interviews was with a pastor, and he talked about it was with when uh um all the legal stuff with gay marriage is going on. And he said, where do you stand on this? What do you, what do you think about that? And he's like, again, it, he's always went back to relationship because I'm not going to answer that right now. I don't know. I'm not going to answer that on TV. Right. But if I had a, a man or woman that I was in my church and I'd had a relationship with, and he wanted to have a conversation about it. We would have a conversation at his table. Right. That's what Jesus, he went to, he went to Zacchaeus's house and yep. sat down at his table. Yep. He goes, that's the difference is I'm, so many of us are on the streets with bullhorns holding up signs and shouting at people. And ne- you, you want to know the fastest way not to get invited to their table right. is to do that. Right, right. Because if you want to impact it the way Jesus did it, I want to answer these questions the way Jesus answered. I want to start by, I'm going to sit down with them at their table. Right. At their table, not my table, Come at on. their table. Yeah. Let's go. Yeah. Let's go to them. Let's be a going people. So with that, I, I have to ask this because it's a great question. Do you think you keep... I've got two questions here, both centered around the Bible and the difference between that and the relationship of God. But do you think that the Bible itself, Scripture, is used more negatively in this world or positively? Man, I don't know. People use it as a weapon, don't they? I think they do. I, I, unfortunately, I, I think they do. And I, and, and I say unfortunately, it's kind of like the same thing with the Holy Spirit. I right. think we've unfortunately made the Holy Spirit weird. And I think, unfortunately, we've turned people off from the Bible. Because we've we've talked about it out of context. Yeah, um, you can find a Bible verse to support just about anything you want to believe. We can find a Bible verse to support <laughs> yeah. anything. That I'm really believe. good at it, actually. <laughs> you can. Oh, you know, I really want to do. I really want to eat a tub of ice cream. I'm sure there's a scripture yeah, that gives me permission to do that. Meanwhile, the whole context of the conversation that's being had around gluttony, for yeah. example, like don't be a glutton. Oh, that's offensive. Yeah. Well, let's look at the whole context of what he's talking about in relation to that. If you wanted to do that, the question goes back to. Would you be willing to sit down and have a conversation about it, yep. or do you want to take 140 characters and use it in, in a in a manner that's going to demean people, turn people off from Jesus? Yeah. Uh, and so, for me, it rarely Jesus rarely gets involved in those. By the way, usually yeah, when really. people break, break, break out Bible verses to support a good or bad behavior, rarely do they talk about an act that Jesus did. Like it's an isolated verse. Somebody said to me. <laughs> I, somebody said one time, and I don't remember who it was. I wish I could remember because I'd like to properly give them credit for the quote, but. They said, if Jesus showed up today and came to your church, would he be a member? Yeah. And that rocked me. Yeah. That really, really rocked me. Like, Probably not. Yeah. That, <laughs> I and I think, I think we're doing our very best to point people to Jesus and help discover the purpose. And I still ask that question now. If Jesus showed up today, would he, would he sit through our service? If Jesus showed up today, would he sit at our discipleship group? If Jesus showed up today, would he sit at that dinner party that we just had with those, with those friends? I don't know. I, I mean, my, I, would, I would hope and pray he'd say yes. Uh, but man, it's a great it's a great opportunity for us to reflect because, like you said, Jesus invited himself into people's homes. I, I, I'm the same. I want to I want to be where people are. I yeah. want to go to people. Um, I don't I don't have a desire to be a mega pastor or mega church. What I I don't des- have a desire to be famous. I feel a, a great responsibility and a weight to be effective at what God has gifted me to do and to use my my gifts to serve people in a way that would help them see Jesus, know Jesus and discover that, that he has a purpose for their life. And I think, I think ultimately if that, re, if that results in 100 people or 500 people or 1,000 people, that's for him to decide because it's his church that he will build. I'm just going to be about making disciples. I find that less, see, Jesus is much less polarizing to people. I mean, there's religions around the world that still respect and love the person of Jesus. Yeah. I find that Jesus is much less polarizing than the Bible is for people. Right which we're, we claim is a, a Bible's a book written by men that God, we believe God inspired and God called inspired, to do that. Yeah. But, but the, the idea of the scripture itself, I don't know very many people that use Jesus negatively. The now there Bible. might be some people that said Jesus called them to bomb an abortion clinic or whatever it was, but right. there's nowhere in scripture where he said to do that. I can Bless promise you that never did that in his life. So I see that the, the things that make the headlines are where people use that Bible out of context that, to justify usually pretty nasty behavior. Um, But I will tell people, anybody that's listening, that Jason and I will be examples here. 
that you don't hear about all the times that scripture is used, usually behind closed doors. Um, I don't want to sound like this is an insider's club, but I just speak to you in my life that it's script. I have found healing and encouragement and hope. And um, when I don't take it out of context and that I'm sharing that with other guys through the struggles in our lives, I think it's used just as much positively, um, transformatively in my life. Um, than it is negatively. You know, world. it's interesting you said, though, you said, I don't want to be an exclusive club. You're not. What's different is that we we sat at a table yeah, and we had a conversation about it. Yeah. We were able to explore it together. And and I can say, there's been plenty of times where he goes, what do you think about this? I don't know. Let's go look at, let's go look it up together. Yeah. Let's and walk down that. Let's unpack it together. Let's, yeah. let's, let's pray about it together. And, and I think when we do that about any topic, when we are willing to sit at the table like Jesus did, which is why the, the question about the Bible, I think when we use the Bible in its appropriate context as a guide, it's inspired by God as yep. a as a guide for us in our life to help us see Jesus. It it will really help us and really heal us and really encourage us in some beautiful ways. But when we don't use it in context and we use it, like you said, as this device that we beat people over the head with. Yeah, it's like I said to my son this morning. I said, "Man, when was the last time you read your Bible?" Yeah. Ah, Dad. I said, well, I said, it, it, what, I said, listen, I don't want you to feel like judged or condemned by the fact you're saying you haven't read it in a while. I just was curious what was the last thing you read and how did it speak to you? Yeah, yeah. And how is it speaking to you? And that's it. Not not judgment. Oh, son, you're going to go to hell because you didn't read your Bible today. Yeah. No, you're not, man. You, you're just like me. <laughs> there are days when I just don't get to it. My, my, I feel like that the the thing that sort of summarizes all this. And I have one final question I do want to ask you because I because I, I got a cool story from a book I got to tell you. I'm, we got to wrap this up. The uh, there is truth is real. It's absolute. Yeah. I believe that wholeheartedly. And we everyone in this world, at least I'll say the monotheistic religions that are after one God, we're all trying to get at that God who right. it is. And we all have interpretations, and 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 some of us are going to be. I don't think any of us are completely right or any of us are completely wrong. Some are going to be more right. Some are going to be more wrong. And I think there is an answer to all the issues that people want to throw darts with. Right. I think God ha- has a stance on Roe v. Wade. He does, probably. I think God has a, you know, a stance on how he feels about same-sex marriage and, and a whole, all these litany of issues. And I don't know that we're ever going to get it right completely. I think some of us might be more right than others. Maybe not. And that's okay. When we get there, maybe we'll figure this out. Right. I think there is an absolute truth. Yeah. It's the pursuit of that. Are you interested in actually sitting down with someone and trying to get at that? Yeah. And walking this through, are you interested in throwing darts from across the street yeah. and putting 150 characters on Twitter right. to get likes on it? it what, what is your intent here? Right. Um, because I've never seen someone that reacts so negatively to these volatile issues that was approached with these issues with a, from a place of love right. and service and Jesus and hey, let's start with the person of Christ. It's pretty simple. Right. His life, he's one of the simplest people on earth. There's not a lot of theology to Jesus. No. He walked around from town to town with bare feet, yeah. healed people that were sick, and fed them. Yeah. And then would and and earned that opportunity then to talk to what, about himself right. after he earned that opportunity. Correct. He didn't shout with bullhorns. He didn't have signs with things on. He didn't do any of that. Right. He never did that once. Yeah. Why do we Christians do it? Yeah. I don't know. I think it's crazy. Yeah. Um. But the question I want to end with, because again, we got the most questions on this. It was all so much about the Bible versus the relationship part. Do you believe someone can have a relationship, an authentic relationship with Jesus, with God, without the Bible? Absolutely. Yeah. I I thought you were going to say that. I know a lot of pastors that would not. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Jesus is a a relationship. And here's the beautiful thing. And I think you spoke on this earlier. Uh, When the church started, there was no Bible. That's right. <laughs> yeah. There was no Bible. Right. It didn't come till later that, that, that God inspired men to write the scriptures that, that we now have today. And like you said, it's been translated and all the rest of it. So it is the God, it is God inspired. No yeah. question. But in the early church, they didn't have, they, had, they didn't have the Bible. No. They didn't have the New Testament. No. They worded the New Testament. Yeah. And here's, here's what, here's what I've come to discover is that you may, n- you and I hope you do. I pray you do. I hope, pray and hope that you would open the scriptures and read it for yourself. And if I could encourage you, start in the New Testament. Don't start in the Old Testament. Yeah, I agree. Start in, start in Mark. If you really want it, just a really simple gospel to read and to get some encouragement from. And if you want to get a little bit kind of like, you know, story version, go to John. 
Um, if you want a really deep thinker, like go to Luke. He's a doctor. If you want yeah. somebody who is just really good at watching and studying the life of Jesus, go to Matthew. Yeah. He recorded it probably the most accurately, the most comprehensively. Uh, comprehensively. Yeah. But if you never did, and yet you had an experience with Jesus where you asked him into your life and you repented of your sins and you began to pursue a relationship with him. There's no question. Yeah. There's no question that you can have that without, without opening the Bible. Yeah. One of the best books I read in my history of all these deep books that I try to blank out of my past now, um, is a story and I forget the title of the book. Now I'll, I'll tag it in the notes if we get there. But it used to be one of the big trip-up questions was for uh, for Christians and apologetics was, what about those that have never heard, you know, the gospel? Do they go to hell? And we get to talk about that. Would God consent, condemn someone to hell that has never heard about the gospel and all this? And there was a beautiful book written. I think it's called The God of My Hands or something. I'll find it. But this story I've never forgotten in my life. And it was about one of the last discovered tribal cultures on, on the globe, never reached by humanity. Yeah. No, no missionaries, nobody had ever been there. Island nation, I think. Um, and the story is told of this man that was there. And he was searching up in the stars at night. I think they were a, a multi-deistic totem pole type culture and right. what they worshiped. And he just started like self-reflecting, like, I don't know what, I, I do feel a need. Like, this world is not giving me what I want. Right. Something's incomplete in my life, and I don't know what's real or what I have. I've got nothing here. And then he started looking at his life around him and everything that he did, how he lived, how he ate, how he slept was made by his hands. He knew that I fish with my hands. I hunt with my hands. I take care of my wife, my children with my hands. If I didn't have these hands, I would be dead. I'm nothing. You know, nothing about us. We have iPhones and money and cars and, and only tools he had that he needed his need were his hands. And he's like, I don't know what, what's real out there. And he looked up in the sky, and one evening in the stars, he just said, you know what? I don't know who created my hands, but if you're out there, I worship you and thank you for creating my hands. Wow. I am, thank you. Mm. I'm yours because you gave me my hands. Yeah. It was something like a week later, wow. a missionary landed at the island, and they developed a relationship, a group of missionaries with that that but through that guy and he told them that story and there you know there's i'm not going to more to the story pontificate on it how they felt called to go to this place and all that but i I think it's called the god of my hands or something i've heard that story it is the most amazing story and that is the story of jesus to me it's that yes let's put all this other stuff aside it's complicated it's so complicated it's weedy it's hairy it's ugly but you know what there's a god of your hands yeah yeah what's the tool you've got in front of you got this this thing in front of you that's jesus jesus he used his hands. Yeah. He's a God of your hands. And if you want to discover that thing, that, that the need, that you're trying to search for something, that you're looking for completeness, don't call it Jesus. You can call it whatever name you want. Be open. Go out there and just ask, hey, if this is real, tell me what, I, come into my life, whatever it is, start there. Yeah. Investigate that person of Jesus if, that, if that's what you want to do. Yeah. Start there investigate loving each other as you love yourselves and then loving this person that made your hands yeah, yeah. with all your heart. Yeah. Start there. And then if we want to start branching out, the circle gets a little bigger. Now we'll get into this. Now we'll get into this. Now we'll get the fruit. Okay. Now I believe I'm now maybe I should start doing some things and, and worshiping this thing. We can get into worship. We yeah. can get into scripture. We can get into serving each other, we get into tithing. Yeah. We can get into all these other things down the road that make this life the same in health and fitness. Right. Let's go for some walks and drink some water yeah. and cut out the junk food. Yeah. If you want to eventually get into protein and macros and deadlifts and, and split lunges and this, okay, we'll get there. Yeah. That's not, we don't, no one needs, we don't need to start there. To rush there. Yeah. That's, that's not for now. So true. Start with that. You're loved and you're welcome yeah. into, into, into his kingdom, into his church. That's the church. Yeah. Church is a big C and a little C. Yeah. The church is not these buildings. No. It's not these institutions. No. It's the people that are all pursuing the same place. They're all trying to show uh, each other where they got water. If I could just maybe end on this, because I know yep. we're going to wrap up. Uh, I just feel I feel led to say this, and, and it's something I've said in the past, and, um, and I think I, because I've experienced it for myself. Uh, if you're listening to this, and, and you've ever been hurt, uh, you've ever been offended, you've ever been discouraged by the church or by a person uh, that was a representation of the kingdom of God. I'm sorry. Yeah. I really, really am. Because that's not the Jesus that I know personally. Mm-hmm. 
And if I could just ask you to uh, give him a shot, because I think what you'll find is uh, somebody who loves you just the way you are, unconditionally, with no strings attached, no rules, no regulations, not how much Bible you've read or didn't read, how much somebody's used it to, to abuse you or to offend you. He just loves you, and he wants a relationship with you. And as I've said it once, I've said it a hundred times, God will do whatever he can and whatever it takes to have a real relationship with you. And so if you are listening and that's you, I, I just I hope you hear me when I say uh, I'm sorry on behalf of the church, on behalf of heaven. Uh, but God does love you that much, and he wants a relationship with you. And if we can help you with that in any way or just be a friend to you, uh, that is without question our heart and will always be. So uh, for what it's worth, I hope that Amen. helps and encourages. Yeah. Amen. All right. Well, I guess we'll wrap up there. We've covered it, not covered it all, covered all that we could. Yeah. And uh, and thank you so much, Aaron, for coming oh, on here this twice with us, spending a good bit of time with us here. Pleasure. Again, really we will it. tag um, Aaron and his all of his little handles, his uh, Purpose Church over in Alpharetta, Georgia, um, in the notes down below. If anybody wants to talk about this more, um, certainly we always throw out that invitation every week, but I would assume this week maybe there are some out there that would, and I know that Aaron would love to do that. I would love to do that if, if you would like it to be me. Jason would as well. Uh, but there's, at least in my life, there's no better man out there than the one sitting next to us right now. Reach out, and uh, it, it will. It, we're all, and I'll speak for Aaron here, willing to sit down at your table yeah. and um, have the conversation. Um, uh, that's where it starts, yeah. I think. So. Absolutely. Thank you, Aaron. Beautiful. Functional life. There's nothing better, Jason. I mean, you can't can't have can't say functional life without the spiritual side of it. Come on, and man, this is powerful. This yeah. is this has been deep. So, uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. Thank you again, Lululemon, for uh, partnering with us and making this special, making us uh, this happen. And uh, we'll uh, we'll see you next time. Back for another one. Awesome. Awesome.